Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, episode 392, Oscar Lopez in the house. We're going to have a great show, two hours jam-packed today. We're also going to have... Uh, Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach here in the second hour as we talk women's international news from the U.K., Germany, Czech Republic, and Sweden. Uh, we're also going to have Mackenzie and Nate Ward uh, in the second hour as we're going to talk dive into the NFL week three, week four, preview that. But in the first hour, we're going to have loaded uh, guests this hour. Uh, we have three guests lined up for today's big show, um, Olivia Griswold of the uh, champ, multi-time champion Texas Elite Spartans of the WNFC and the, the 2020, uh, 2021 Defensive Player of the Year. We're also going to have Kerry Mackey from the Nevada Storm, owner and championship player as well, WFA uh, Division II and Division Three national champions. And we're going to be talking a little bit of women's tackle football with the coach, Terry Lister, of TL Talks podcast, and that will be in about an hour or so as we get down with Terry and Mark Simone as we're talking women's tackle football for 2022. Uh, if you guys haven't subscribed, go to the subscription on any of your favorite platforms, Apple, iHeart, and Spotify preferred, but you can subscribe on any platform. Uh, m- make sure you subscribe and tune in every Tuesday as we are here for everything that's happening in the sport. And if you haven't gone to the hub, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Get the lowdown on everything that's happening in the women's game internationally and domestically. Uh, open tryouts are going to be happening in the WNFC coming up here this coming weekend. I believe it's October 2nd and, and the 3rd. And then a WFA tryouts will be national trials October 16th is what it's slated for. Uh, all teams in the WFA are also doing other trials as well as the WNFC. So if you guys are inclined to uh, refer any uh, potential athletes that you maybe know that want to play in the uh, WNFC or the WFA, you can refer them to WNFCfootball.com or WFAProFootball.com. Send them there. Uh, National trials, like I said, are going to be this weekend for the WNFC and then October 16th for the WFA. So don't forget to refer everybody there. And there's uh, obviously a team in your area, regionally, nationwide, uh, just like uh, set over close to 70 teams in the WFA, 20 teams in the WNFC. So we're looking at about 100 teams nationwide. So there's an opportunity to play in one of the two top leagues in the United States. So if you're inclined, like I said, WNFCfootball.com, go to WFAProFootball.com. All right, guys, um, we're going to be having uh, Olivia Griswold here. Uh, in about 15 minutes, talking to her about her awesome season in 2021, the nine-cup victory, uh, two-time champion Texas Elite Spartans now. Where is the uh, the WNFC in her state of mind in terms of growth? And then obviously the Vire Sports 
uh, acquisition for the 2022 season and what she thinks of that. Um, we're also going to have Kerry Mackey, 2021 WFA owner and player, two-time champion of the Nevada Storm, give her uh, get a, uh, give us her insights on where Nevada can go in the future. Will it be D1? Will it be elevated to D1? And can they make uh, the the championship achievable championship in D1? That would be a story in itself. We have a story in itself historically already from the D3 to D2 championship. So we'll talk to Carrie about what her what her thoughts are on that. And then we'll dive into Coach Terry Lister, like I said, in the second hour with uh, AKA backseat coach Mark Simone talking women's tackle football and a little bit of NFL as well. Corner right now as we're talking college football week four, and then we're going to have Holly's take on week five in terms of what key games are happening. So let's go into uh, the week four recap at, uh, with Holly's Corner. Welcome back to Holly's Corner. Here are some of the most interesting results in college football from the weekend. Number 22, Fresno State 38, UNLV's 30. Fresno State outlasts UNLV in a Friday night game. Heiner does it again with a 378 passing yard and five touchdown game. Fresno was actually having Heiner fever as they actually made a day after him in their city. Number four, Oklahoma 16, West Virginia 13. Oklahoma needed a game-winning field goal to beat an average West Virginia team. How many times can Oklahoma survive? They only managed 57 yards rushing. This has to have pollsters concerned. Number five, Iowa 24, Colorado State 14. Iowa came out and got punched in the mouth by the Rams. They needed to regroup at halftime and come out in the third quarter to right the ship. They had 32 carries as a team for 54 yards on the ground. That's 1.7 yards a carry and troublesome if Iowa wants to go far. Number 16, Arkansas 20. Number 7, Texas A&M 10. What a win for Arkansas. Razorback Nation has to be pumped. They looked like a much more prepared and talented team. Arkansas had nearly 500 yards of offense. Can they keep it going? Meanwhile, the Aggies got a little exposed this game. Let's see if they can bounce back or if this is a game that sent them into a tailspin. NC State 27, number 9 Clemson 21, and double overtime. This was a classic finish of a game and a resume booster for NC State. Clemson, on the other hand, is flopping around like a fish out of water right now. They finished with just over 200 yards of offense, and that includes both overtimes. That is not going to get it done. Now that they don't likely have a playoff spot to play for, how will they respond going forward? Number 12, Notre Dame 41. Number 18, Wisconsin 13. Jack Cohn gets revenge. He doesn't put up splashy numbers, but does just enough, and the Notre Dame defense does rest, scoring twice. They will want to work on that run game, however. They ended up with 32 carries for just 9 yards. Although Mertz looked promising for Wisconsin early last year, he seems to have regressed and ended up with four picks. Baylor 31, number 14, Iowa State 29. Statement win for an up-and-coming Baylor. They are now 4-0 in an interesting Big 12. Iowa State went for two late to tie the game, but Baylor gets the pick to seal the win. Breesall still puts it on Baylor, however, with 190 yards rushing and two touchdowns. He's still one of the top three backs in the country, in my opinion. All right, and then, you know, if you break it down, Clemson, really key point there that uh, Holly made. And if you break it down, Notre Dame fence shows out against number 18, Wisconsin. Uh, 41-13 was uh, the win against Wisconsin. The Irish defense forced five turnovers, four interceptions, one fumble, 
Two of those interceptions turned into pick six late in the game. They are now 4-0 at this point. Uh, Clemson is the big question mark as we uh, head out of the, uh, you know, the week. Uh, but number four, Oklahoma survives West Virginia in their first Big 12 test. Uh, Oklahoma narrowly takes down West Virginia. Uh, both teams scored just one touchdown apiece in the whole game. The second half would be made up of three field goals, including the game-winning 30-yard kick from uh, Gabe Brett Sooner's uh, quarterback. Rattler was the majority of their offense with over 265 yards in the air. The run game accounted for much less than 57 yards. So to Holly's point here, there's some concerns there as well. But uh, Oklahoma remains undefeated with that win now at 4-0. Notre Dame at 4-0. Clemson will be the question mark here. Arkansas is off to a long, uh, to a hogwall start. Number 16, Arkansas is off to their first 4-0 start since 2003 as they took down number 7, Texas A&M, 20-10 in the Southwest Classic. The Razorbacks were led by redshirt uh, sophomore Jefferson, who threw for 212 yards and two touchdowns in the win. Jefferson left the game in the third quarter with a knee injury, but later returned in the fourth. Um, so it's going to be, it's, you know, wait and see and see how well he's or how durable he is for the next uh, week that's coming up here in week five. The other game that was basically uh, number nine Clemson, as we talked about here, had their 36-game winning streak uh, against unranked opponents broken as NC State beat them, uh, edged them 27-21 in overtime. With that loss, Clemson drops to 2-2 and on the season and is now fourth in the ACC Atlantic Division. Number 14, Iowa State, was also handed their second loss of the season, losing to Baylor. Um, the game came down to the cyclone two-point conversion. So really um, uh, kind of interesting to figure out who's going to stand out in this next week that's coming up here in week five, uh, figuring out who's going to, uh, you know, shine and all that. So let's, let's dive into Holly in terms of her preview for week five here and see who's going to stand out. Here are the best matchups for college football for next weekend. Number five, Iowa at Maryland. In an interesting Friday night game, Iowa takes their high ranking into Maryland, who's playing some good ball. Tua's younger brother is a Maryland quarterback, and he has 1,340 yards and 10 touchdowns in the young season. This is a clash of styles. If Maryland gets up early, I don't think Iowa has the firepower offensively to catch up. Iowa likes to play a gritty and ugly game. Number eight, Arkansas at number two, Georgia. Boy, does Arkansas go from the frying pan to the fire. Fresh off their upset win over the Aggies, they go into Georgia, which has a monster defensive front. K.J. Jefferson will need to make plays with his legs as well as with his arm. Number seven, Cincinnati at number nine, Notre Dame. Big game for both teams. Cincinnati wants to break into the playoff as a non-Power 5 team, and this kind of win would help their resume a lot. Notre Dame has looked flawed to continue to win. This is a battle of contenders to see which of them is a pretender. Number 12, Ole Miss at number 1, Alabama. Expect points in this game. No, really. Ole Miss is putting up 50-ish points a game with quarterback Matt Corral, who already has nine touchdowns. We also know that Bryce Young can also sling it as he has 1,124 yards and 15 touchdowns on the season. Whatever the over-under is on this game, take the over. Number six, Oklahoma at Kansas State. I think this is the game Oklahoma finally gets bit. Kansas State has a good home environment and is competitive. If the Wildcats can run the ball and can, and can control the clock, I think their defense can make the Sooners work. 
Number 21, Baylor at number 19, Oklahoma State. This is a game of two solid Big 12 teams, and a win for each would help get them in the window for the conference contention. Yeah, and the matchups are really uh, really awesome for week five. As Holly's just alluded here, the SEC pair of blockbuster matchups this weekend, number two, Georgia, meets number eight, Arkansas, and an expected top ten showdown. Number one, Alabama, welcomes number 12, Old, Old Miss as well. And so that is, it's another battle between Nick Saban and Lane Kiffman. And in the window, another showdown will be number seven, Cincinnati, against number nine, Notre Dame, as she just mentioned here, a, a game with huge college football playoff implications. Uh, surprise Big 12 unbeaten number 19, Oklahoma State, and number 21, Baylor, meet in prime time as well. So really interesting matchups. We're going to keep tabs on that. We'll have Holly's Corner's take on week five in terms of the recap and the key games that happen. But uh, Iowa versus Maryland, number eight, Arkansas against Georgia, seven, Cincinnati against Notre Dame. Uh, number 12, Ole Miss against Alabama. Number six, Oklahoma against Kansas State. And 21, Baylor against number 19, uh, Oklahoma State. So interesting in, interesting for the college weekend. If you're in tune with the college weekend, uh, I mean, you can go to the hub. we got everything that's broken down there from all major sources, including uh, NCAA.com, Bleacher Report, uh, USA Today including uh, everything that's happening in the NFL via NFL.com as well. So you can pretty much dive into everything that's happening in football, in terms of college football, uh, NFL football, and then obviously the women's game all together with the best network on the planet, and that is us at the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Don't forget, guys, you guys can play NFL, NBA, MMA, PGA, just about anything, uh, and you can go to monkeyni5.com monkeyni5.com, and you can use our code NJF to get started. It's a $5 free play. If you're into props, pretty simple, more or less is my favorite, and that gets you going really, really great. So if you're inclined to, uh, you know, put up a bet, uh, you put in, you know, $5, you can earn $15. If you can put in, you know, $10, you're going to earn $30. If you put in $30, you are going to earn $90. If you're inclined to put $300 down, that's all pretty awesome, and you can make almost $900. So pretty easy to do on uh, Thursday night. Uh, you know, Sunday night or even Monday night. It's really interesting uh, props game. So monkeyknifefight.com, that's our uh, podcast sponsor. Really appreciate them being our sponsor and keeping the uh, information going for us every Tuesday night, bringing you everything that's happening in the women's game uh, in terms of women's American football news and notes and insight. Uh, so check it out, monkeyknifefight.com. Use the code NJF. And if you haven't visited us at our Zazzle shop, zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, so that's going to be the No Joke Football Shop. Go right there, up to 20% off daily. Use our code on there, Zazzle Thanks, for up to 15% off if there isn't a better code. If you're international, you can always go to the Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty site, go at the very bottom, and then you'll have your country code, and you can go to your actual Zazzle country code. Saves you money on shipping and also helps support us as well. And just get the you know awesome shirts that we have there, the No Joke Football script shirts, you got the Not A Boys Game shirt as well and some other awesome stuff like capris, leggings, uh, hoodies, and everything else that you think of is right there at the No Joke Football Shop at zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. All right, we're going to be uh, talking to uh, Olivia Griswold here in a couple minutes. Um, she was in the impact, one of the impactful leaders on defense for the Texas Elite Spartans 
in the 2021 season. They are uh, obviously giving the honors to her at the Nine Cup weekend and the 2021 Defensive Player of the Year. That was her honor and a really awesome job all the way around for the Spartans. Uh, the defense really uh, stout all season, and they made a, a statement to the WNFC 2019 champions, 2020, 2021 uh, champions as well. So they are the the you know cream of the crop. Uh, they they are the team to beat. They are the best of the best, and so uh, she's one key piece to that. We're also going to be talking to Carrie uh, Mackey here in about 30 minutes. We'll talk to her, like I said, about her uh, outstanding uh, squad, the Nevada Storm, that has put themselves on the map in the WFA nationwide uh, two, uh, two years in a row. Uh, it's a three-year program that was built over time, and now they are one of the teams that we follow and everybody is following nationwide and watching out for. Will they get to the D1? is a different story, and we'll, we'll talk to Carrie in terms of an upgrade there, if it's going to happen or not. Uh, we're also going to dive into the NFL Week 3, plus we're going to preview Week 4 with the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, and ex-league insider Nate Ward in the last 30 minutes of the podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well for everything that's happening in the sport. Go to Twitter, uh, at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter, for the latest uh, updates on women's American football news and notes. Um, and don't forget to subscribe on our podcast as well. So, all right, we're going to be uh, hauling in here uh, as soon as Olivia gets in here, and then we'll be diving into her. But there's a couple of stories on the, uh, at the Hub you guys can go check out. Really interesting uh, month for September. It was awesome uh, a month for September. We had three amazing young ladies that made an impact in terms of, you know, just being ballers out there uh, in the high school scenes. We had Abby uh, Desenso, uh, Sophia Laspina, and Brooklyn Harker, and they, all three of them really awesome. Uh, Brooklyn contributed to her team's victories early on on the field in different positions. Uh, Sophia Laspina, a big-time uh, receiver touchdown in Long Island to kind of uh, you know help, help her team with the victory. And then Abby Desenso, first running back, a female running back to score in Florida, uh, in the Florida high school history. So a lot of the uh, the press that was going on on Twitter, on TikTok, and everywhere else, uh, really good, great buzz for these three young ladies that are, are making such an impact and inspiring the next generation of uh, female athletes to come up and participate in women's tackle football in terms of the high school scene. And, uh, you know, congratulations to Abby, Sophia, and uh, Brooklyn for an outstanding month in terms of September and bringing attention to our sport and bringing the elevation of awareness that uh, girls do want to play football and they can play at a high school level as well. And a lot of them are, you know, playing on boys teams uh, within the, uh, you know, freshmen up to sophomore. And even some of them are playing on varsity squads as well, either as kickers or other position players, but uh, a great um, month. So there's a couple articles at the hub. If you go right there now, uh, a couple articles right there at the hub where you can actually dive into uh, the girls and what they're doing and what they've done in the whole month of September. I mean, what an impressive, impressive, uh, um, you know, showing for the whole month of September in terms of the sports. And that was highlighted by uh, usatoday.com, giving them their dues and giving them their, uh, you know, praises and, and things like that. So it was really, really awesome to see from them and um, getting the accolades that they deserve. I know um, Sophia Laspina was on 
uh, Moho Sports uh, with our, uh, you know, uh, Gridiron Australia uh, superstar and champion, uh, Stacey Spear. Uh, she was on Moho Sports, and we had that uh, link right there at, at Twitter. So if you had gone to Twitter, you would have been able to listen to the interview that Stacey Spear uh, did with um, uh, Sophia Laspina as well on there. And uh, I'm sorry, Kelly, uh, Kelly Elliott, not, uh, not Sophia, but Kelly Elliott, uh, also one of the uh, outstanding ballers out there as well. So uh, awesome month for September. Uh, and uh, Brooklyn uh, Arker played in all four games this fall for Chapel Hill High School undefeated varsity football team. She was a backup safety Wide receiver, kicker, also played on the Tigers kickoff coverage, uh, kickoff return on tight kick. So an awesome, awesome individual she uh, is. And uh, what what a, an awesome uh, time to be playing uh, tackle football for girls uh, all over the United States as well. And there's also some girls internationally. So we do appreciate everybody messaging us uh, on our uh, Facebook page and letting us know about any of those girls. And if you guys are inclined, just send us the message, and we'll forward it out. We'll post them out. Um, there's a lot of nonprofit organizations that spotlight a lot of the things that girls do uh, in terms of sports, and we network with them as well. So uh, hopefully that's going to be something that's all, all, all the time, and it becomes a normal thing, and that's what we really want. And so uh, it's an awesome uh, time to be supporting women's tackle football. Let me see if Olivia's going to be coming on here. I know she was running late, so we'll see here, find out. And let's just get her on to here. All right, there we go. Um, so we'll see if she's coming on here as well. All right, um, so like I mentioned earlier, we got uh, tryouts all over nationwide. So if you haven't figured it out, tryouts are going to be October 2nd for the WNFC. Uh, and you can go to WNFC, uh, WNFCfootball.com. Check it out, uh, 20 teams, 20 markets, um, so you're able to get on one of the squads there if inclined and try out. You're also going to have over 70 teams, close to 70 teams in the WFA, so that would be WFAProFootball.com. You're able to get on there as well and uh, take care of, you know, figure out which team is, is in your area, what is nearby, and uh, what, what you're able to do uh, in terms of, you know, how to get onto the roster and make the roster and be relevant and play on a high-level team in the WFA. Three divisions in the WFA, Division One, Division Two, and Division Three, and that is uh, pretty awesome uh, if you're inclined. Three levels of uh, skill sets, basically. Uh, the, the Division Three levels are less rostered, you know, with minimal 25, 20 to 25, close to 30, where the Division Two and Division One, we're looking at a, a little bit more manpower in the upper 40s, uh, some of the squads even in the upper 60s uh, and some of the some of the veteran teams that have been around for a long time usually have a pretty decent roster size of like 50 or more. So that's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, how they they evolve from level to level, kind of like Nevada did from a Division three state of program to a Division two, trying to figure out how they're going to be able to sustain the numbers to stay in Division one. So that'll be interesting to kind of figure out for some of these organizations that want to make the jump to the next level and see if they're inclined, you know, to come on and do that. So we'll we'll find out from, uh, you know, who's going to be on the teams as the rosters come out as we get towards 2022 and see who's going to, um, you know, make the make the roster as well. All right. Um, so I don't know if uh, uh, Olivia's coming on because sometimes there's a time frame issue and 
sometimes we get caught up with that. So I did message her earlier about the reminder, but I don't know if she's going to be inclined to come on. So as soon as she comes on, we'll put her on. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to keep it, keep it rolling here. And we'll go into the weekend's going to be like in terms of the NFL. Uh, this weekend, it was really interesting to see how, you know, San Francisco, given 37 seconds to Aaron Rodgers, uh, made a big, you know, I don't, wouldn't say a blunder, but most people were calling it like, hey, why didn't the, uh, the running back at that point just, you know, go down and, and cut the clock down? Uh, probably not the best idea there. I mean, it makes it might be making sense that way, and it makes it easier, but it's not. And so, you know, give Aaron Rodgers some credit. But defensively, I think San Francisco lacked the defensive side of the ball. They didn't play their best game, and that was also a problem for them. There were some, uh, you know, pass interference calls that could have been that could have gone either way, could have been different in terms of the referees calling the game. But overall, it was really, uh, really, uh, you know, just a, came down the wire. Uh, Aaron Rodgers knows what he's doing. He understands that. Uh, Devontae Adams as well. And so, you know, when you got a kicker like Crosby who can kick it through the uprights really thoroughly and no no scare there, you really can get it done. I mean, that's just the, the bottom line. You get it done. And so they had confidence. They got it down to the almost a 30, almost a 50-yard field goal. And the Niners fall. San Francisco looks to kind of rebound here. Uh, Seattle also in the in the mix that they're going to be facing Seattle, but Seattle really and San Francisco really in a crunch mode here. One of them has to win, given the fact that Arizona Arizona took care of business against Jacksonville. Uh, I thought for sure um, the Cardinals were going to have an easy time against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that was not the case. Jacksonville is obviously did put up a fight here, 31-19 was the Arizona victory. Uh, Murray Hop and company, Hopkins and Watts, really, really good. Now they're going to they're gonna be taking on uh, basically uh, my Rams, who played an awesome game against uh, Tom Brady. And, and what a performance by Matthew Stanford and Cooper Cup, including the defense, who played pretty well all, all game to give us an opportunity to, for the victory. It was a 30-24 victory. Uh, I mean, 34-24. Uh, 24 victory, and that really sealed the deal for us right there in terms of we're able to do, get it done. And so I'm pretty excited right now to see how Kyle, Kyle Murray against Matthew Stafford's going to matchup's going to come up here because we have that um, you know coming up this weekend here as well. Uh, Herbert in the Chargers. So we talk about the the uh, L.A. Chargers. You talk about how this kid is evolving, and then when you talk about Patrick Mahomes. And the Kansas City Chiefs this season, with a two-game loss, uh, they're down in terms of the, you know, kind of a rebound mode now. They they really need uh, to get a rebound mode here really soon. Given the Raiders are undefeated, the Chargers are in that good state of mind. Um, and, and so that West, the FC West, has kind of grown a little bit. Um, you know, the, the Raiders taking care of business and being undefeated is, I guess a surprise. Denver, of all the teams, is probably a surprise, and that is uh, that's one of the things that we were looking at earlier when I was before I came on here trying to figure out, you know, how did Denver just all of a sudden get so much better than from a year ago? And surprisingly, they are so much better, and they're proving it. And so they're getting uh, they're going to be tested 
this next week uh, against uh, uh, the Ravens, and the Ravens obviously are playing really decent ball too. Uh, Nineteen seventeen Ravens over over uh, Detroit in a real tight game there. They got to find a running game here. They don't have a running game. They, they all they got is Jackson and a little bit of a you know a good defense going for them. So they they really have to you know find a running game here if they want to be uh, you know get better and better and better each week. So. Uh, the Thursday night game was not so much of uh, not so much of a great game. McCaffrey going down really a bummer for me because I had him on all my fantasy uh, all my fantasy leagues, and it really created kind of like an oh my god, no way, this is this is happening. And so I don't know, you know, um, how that how that happened, but uh, he goes down and it's crushing. It was really really crushing. So I, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen there in terms of the run game. They didn't really need it. Um, you know, the transformation, the changeover from Sam Donald in Carolina from the New York Jets, you, you really got to look at that and say, okay, how did he transform so quickly into this new system? And he looks like a top-notch quarterback because I think all the pieces are there. T.J. Moore's there with them. So he's got a lot of pieces together there. Uh, Houston's just a mess. And uh, unfortunately, they are, they, they're, just retail, they're just a mess. And so there's not much you can say about the, the Texans right now. They really need to uh, regroup a little bit, and they got to figure out what they're doing, uh, especially with this Deshaun Watson situation. And they don't have anything really going for them in that sense. So it's really tough in that sense in terms of what's going to happen. So um, Green Bay, like we talked about, edges San Francisco Sunday night. Uh, that was a really awesome game, including with some referee issues there. And then you had Dallas, uh, 41-21 against Philly. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I thought for sure that that was going to be one of those games, and it turns out Dallas goes back to what they were doing a couple years ago, and then um, Ezekiel Elliott shows up and shows out, which is really awesome for them. Uh, really, really impressive. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't happen for a lot of fantasy, uh, you know, on the fantasy boards because most people didn't have Elliott. Most people had other other players. I mean, there's a a, a few people that did have him, but for everybody that didn't have Elliott. Man, you just got crushed in fantasy big time, and that it was not very comforting, uh, especially <laughs> this weekend. It was not a really good thing, and uh, especially on the Sunday night showdowns, if you're playing, um, you know, uh, DraftKings or FanDuel, you really were having some, you know, pissed off mode at at anything because uh, it really he was a difference maker on the, on those slates as well in terms of the fantasy on NFL.com or Yahoo, uh, depending on what league you're playing in, but. Important uh, was Ezekiel Elliott for the Dallas Cowboy victory, 41-21 against Philly. A lot of question marks for Philadelphia. Sanders didn't play very well. I mean, Ertz is probably the only bright spot that they had on there. Godert didn't play as well either. So the run game was really uh, contained in a lot of ways by the Dallas defense, and they've been playing pretty good ball for the last two weeks, and we talked about that offensively, if they can get their run game and balance attack uh, once again, with Cooper and Gallup and uh, Lamb, I think we'll have an opportunity where Dallas is going to be relevant in that uh, uh, NF- NFC uh, East. Uh, the Giants probably not so much. Uh, so they could be front runners. Washington's somewhat struggling as well. So it's going to be, uh, you know, if they want to be the front runners in the NFC NFC East, this is this is the way to do it in terms of the Dallas Cowboys to do it. All right. Um, so let's talk about the other game. Uh, the Giants, since we're talking in that realm, the Giants barely, I mean, they could have gotten that win against Atlanta, and they just didn't. Jones, Barkley, I mean, they're so talented, 
I just and then Shepard going down. Oh my God, Shepard going down really created an issue for everybody, including myself on you know, even on fantasy because I it, one of my main receivers was on fantasy and he went down and that was crushing. So seventeen thirteen, uh, the Giants continue. I mean, continue to. I guess you, you want to call the become the Cleveland Browns of old. They just keep just crushing. Uh, themselves down, and they keep they keep they just lose. They keep losing and losing. They and they, but they're talented. They're really talented, and it's not happening for them. Uh, Atlanta uh, struggling there as well. Matt Ryan and company, but they get the win, 17 to 14. Uh, Buffalo uh, rebounds after the you know the week that they were having in the beginning of the season here against Washington, 43-21. Uh, Josh Allen really standing out as usual. What a guy there. He's really, really good. Uh, makes an effort for that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Buffalo Bills, really, really impressive in terms of uh, that win against Washington at Washington on the road, putting themselves on the map. Uh, you got uh, New England struggling, Miami with an identity problem, uh, and then you got uh, who else in, in the division? Oh, New England coming up. They're coming up against Tom Brady. So it's a really big, big opportunity for the Bills to kind of be the front runners once again in the uh, AFC East. So it's going to be important to see that. Uh, Cleveland with an easy win against Chicago. I mean, Chicago, a total mess. Justin Fields uh, starts. And what happened there, I have no idea. Uh, the kid just got literally crushed. Um, I don't know what's going on in Chicago in terms of the organization right now. But offensively, they suck. That's the word. <laughs> they suck. Uh, on offense, completely stuck on offense. Um, Montgomery couldn't get going. You had no no run game there uh, per se as well. Uh, they were just getting crushed. The line just getting manhandled. Uh, and shout out to the Cleveland Browns. I mean May- Mayfield, o- uh, Odell, and uh, you know and company right there. Chubbs and Hunt. I mean they are just you know they are just they're doing well. They're doing well. And this is what they want. This is what Brown fans want to see they want to see this type of uh, consistency in their team I mean they've been an organization of losing and losing and losing forever that you know if you're a Browns fan right now you got to be really happy with within the first uh first three uh three weeks of the season here in terms of your team and how they've been playing so far so you know gritty against Kansas City and now you're going up against here against Chicago, an easy win for them, 26-6. to Really showed out for Odell Beckham, the return of Odell Beckham, really, really impressive. So, you know, if you if you go that route, it's really, really simple. Uh, play Browns ball, and they should be able to win this, especially with Cincinnati struggling. Pittsburgh now struggling. Uh, could be a benefit to the Browns that really stand out at this point. All right. Um, the other game that we're talking about is Vegas. Vegas barely gets – Gets that win against Miami. Miami, even with the struggles that they had, they still played a pretty decent game. Defensively, they're still somewhat okay. Offensively, they got to figure these things out. And, and, you know, Parker and company as well. And this quarterback shuffle is just really hindering Miami's capabilities. So uh, Las Vegas undefeated. What a great season for the Raiders to start off within three weeks. Uh, New stadium, new fanfare, new city. I mean, you talk about David Carr being up, up and up uh, right now. Everybody's, you know, Raider Nation is just hyped right now. I mean, I see everywhere the excitement in terms of the Las Vegas Raiders, and uh, that city is going to be just buzzing 
once they get going. If they go to 5-0, and for example, or 4-0, and 5-0, and they go into that 5-0 and mode, uh, the city the cities is just going to just basically party like it's been partying in the past. And so right now it's a pretty good, impressive uh, victory with the addition of the pieces that they got, Ruggs in there as well. You got Jacobs. Um, you got the run game going, plus you got David Carp playing decent ball here. Uh, this was basically one of the things that will kill the the Raiders offensively. They got all the all, all the tools that they can get. Defensively, they got to fix some stuff because they're allowing too many points, and you can only go so far with this method uh, before you get to, before you start getting crushed, especially in the AFC with the with the major teams. They got to face Denver, who's been playing pretty good, taking on the Kansas City. That's been playing pretty good. The Chargers playing very good ball, too. So uh, if you're a Raider fan, this is great wins. It's a 3-0 and start. That's fantastic. But if you're a realist football fan, you're like, okay, on the horizon, this is not good. we gotta, we got to shore up some stuff in terms of defense and the secondary. Really got to get into it. So, uh, you know, shout out, shout out to the Raider fans for, for their hot start. But they got, they got issues on defense, on secondary to think about in terms of what they're going to do. At that point, so uh, we're going to talk about the NFL in, uh, with uh, Nate Ward and Mackenzie Brooks in the second hour, and we'll dive into uh, the Week Four matchups, which is going to be Thursday night: Jacksonville, Cincinnati, uh, Lawrence against Burroughs. That's going to be pretty awesome to see, and, and how well those two teams match up. Uh, Jacksonville did improve this week, as they were almost in that, you know, putting up 20 points against Arizona, high-powered Arizona. So that was really interesting. Sunday night, we got TV 12. Uh, you know, he just lost in L.A. He's going to be angry. And who better to take out and lash it out uh, than take it on on Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots and the rookie. That's uh, going to be interesting Sunday night. Uh, Monday night, you got Vegas, like I said, against the Chargers. Can they defensively stand out and, and get ready for uh, Herbert and company? Because they're, they're, they're doing pretty well. So we'll dive into the NFL in the second hour as well. So we're going to go into the Monkey Knife Huddle right now. And I don't believe Olivia is going to be on. Uh, she hasn't messaged me back at this point. We were slated to have her on today. I apologize for that. Um, I don't know if there was an uh, issue with the time. I did message her prior to that, an hour before that, uh, to just make sure she was on time. But she did not come on. So we'll have to reschedule Olivia Gerswell for another time. But let's go into the huddle right now. We're going to be talking to the uh, championship owner, and championship player, including Nevada Storm championship uh, franchise in the WFA. So let's go into the uh, Monkey Knife. Hold on, we're going to be talking to the the Carry Mac. is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to fifty dollars. All right, uh, Carrie, how's it going? I'm uh, good. How are you guys? I'm doing great, Carrie. Thanks for making the time for us. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Good timing, too. I just got done with my workout. <laughs> All right. So. We're a little sweaty, and that's fine. That's um, We're good. We're good. That's how football is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> of course. All right. So, Carrie, so. I wanted to bring you on here because uh, – we're all excited to hear if you're going to Division One, and who better to ask but the owner? Oh well, you know it's it's definitely in the rumor mill. Um, nothing has been officially said to us yet by the WFA, um, but we're we're expecting to and, and we're planning to. 
So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so no one, we're not unveiling anything yet. So that's uh, that's what you're telling us right now. No unveil yet. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Just nothing's official yet. So we're just kind of waiting. Um, um, I'm sure all of it will be announced after we hold our WSA owners meeting, and um, you know everything comes out with all the teams. As I'm, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be the only team making changes and moving around. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of seeing how things work out. All right, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna congratulate you for a successful three and a half, almost four years of this turnaround of this franchise. Uh, I think this is, speaks volumes to a lot of things. Uh, I know you've mentioned uh, that before in other podcasts about, you know, the, the uh, coaching, the leadership, and setting up the tone for this franchise. But, I mean, Carrie, what do you, what do you, how, do you how do you, like, put yourself uh, three years ago before the, the 19 championship, before the 2021 championship? I, it, it becomes like this is a different world, right? It sure is. Um, I'm going into, I believe, my 10th or 11th season now with the team and and sixth year as the president and um, just a night and day difference. It's, you know, having the consistent coaching and we have amazing coaches right now. And it's that's just having good coaching and, and confidence in your players. And, you know, you got a coaching staff that believes in you. Um, it's just that's a whole new ball game, <laughs> you know, um, when I first started playing, I was learning a brand new offense and defense every single year. Um, and it's hard to be a successful program when you're constantly learning something new every year. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, especially so, when you have a bunch of inconsistent sometimes with the roster, right? You got so many coming back and then the rest of it has to be basically start from square one, especially with the rostering and everything else. So it's, it's hard to just, you know, implement something when you when you have a standard, uh, you know, game plan. It's it's so much easier to kind of just plug people in and kind of show them the ropes because there's kind of a foundation. But when you don't have that and you start rebuilding every year, yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, no, 100% with that. Um, you know, like being a vet now and having ran the same offense now for two years, it's like, hey, all those rookies that come in now you have all these players that have already played with this type of offense and defense. And so there's more of us to help, you know, and, and get them to learn, learn everything quicker. Cause like most teams, we get rookies that, you know, they've not played a down or the game of football in their life. So it's, you know, you have to explain to them what the hash marks mean, what penalties are, what's a touchdown, how do you score, you know, all that good stuff. So yeah, when you when you have a whole team that can get behind your rookies and help them grow and learn, it's oh man, so much easier. <laughs> it's much easier, way easier. Um, in terms of in terms of the spotlight, Carrie, did you expect the spotlight this year? Like you guys being front and center, um, in terms of the the WFA website, in terms of the uh, you know IG pages, in terms of us covering you guys almost week to week in anticipation of what you're going to be able to do. I mean, uh, your team basically created a huge buzz for the brand in, in itself, but also for the team and local. Um, you know, yes and no. I knew there was probably going to be like, okay, you know, they're in D2 now. Let's see what, what's the hype all about. Is it true? Is it still going to continue on? And 
sure enough, thankfully it did. <laughs> you know, we weren't, we were not mm-hmm. a fluke. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a fluke, you know, blah, 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 blah. They got lucky and all this stuff. And it's like, no, we just, we turned it around and went undefeated this year. So, and we went up a division. Um, so, no, it's just how nice. It's awesome to see. Carrie, how proud are you of the, <laughs> I'm the, sorry. The, the transition? How proud are you of the transition as an owner? Like to go from one division to the next and, and really put yourself out there. And like you said, you have those doubters. Oh, maybe they'll make it, maybe they'll not. But, hey, like you said, you did have a successful season from start to finish. You know, it's just you just kind of have to grow with the go with the flow. Um, you know, our coaches kind of hammered into us right in the beginning, like, hey, the eyes are on us. People are watching. They want to see how we react and what we do. Um, all we ask of you guys is take one practice at a time, one game at a time. You know, obviously the ultimate goal was to get back to the championships, but we didn't want to overshoot. You know, we have to have good practices. We have to have everyone show up to practices. We have to win one game at a time to get to the championships. So, you know, it's just, yep, here's the big goal, but we need to harness it and bring us back down to reality and, and focus on just, one practice at a time. <laughs> Field, uh, you've done a tremendous job, especially with, you know, administrative and everything else um, that you've put together and you've, you know, did, did your own thing. Um, so to make this a successful franchise that it is, you know, and probably one of the, you know, historical franchises in the WFA now in terms of the history books. So, uh, you know, what? how can you speak to that in, in your sense by yourself? Like, okay, this is what I've done six years and within six years, you know, two championships within those six years, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's not me. Um, I definitely didn't do it by myself. You know, I, I have a wonderful board that I work with. Um, we all run the team together. We take input from the team. We take input from our coaches. We try to be transparent. Um, you know, sometimes we have to be firm with our decisions and what we do, but that's what has helped us get to where we are at. Um, you know, it, it started with owners prior to me, um, uh, Pete and Shan, uh, Shannon Pete and Lisa Kennedy and um, shoot, uh, Kelly, Kelly, uh, uh, Shenander. Uh, those three stepped up originally back about six years ago and, you know, put the team on their shoulders and kind of, got us redirected to where we wanted to be. And um, when they decided to step down as owners and we, we, I don't really consider us having um, a team with an owner. Like I don't consider myself the owner of the team. I just helped run it with a bunch of ladies that are amazing to work with. And, you know, we, we make it happen. So, um, and we're, we're only growing and we see more doors opening up to us. And, and that's, what's awesome, especially now being a winning team, um, just a lot of things, a lot of doors have opened even more, and, and it's it's a, such a great feeling. <laughs> it is a great feeling. Winning is everything, and when you're winning, it's it's a lot more uh, comforting, right? It's it just makes it more easier. Um, how is the the community for you guys? I know you guys got honored by the city. Um, you know, you guys are involved. Are you guys getting involved with the college teams and? and visibility in that sense uh, in terms of the off season yeah. between now and, and the next season? Yeah, you know, we've, it's definitely, like I said, opened those doors. Um, we do have a couple of connections with the college here in town, and, and we're slowly getting in there. They're pretty – they're pretty strict as far as what they will allow and, and everything um, because we aren't, we, you know, we're not students. We're not, 
you know, a club on the at, at the college type of stuff. So it does make it a little bit harder. But we did get to do a women's clinic that they were holding um, of theirs back in August. And, oh, my gosh, all the all the college players were impressed. The coaches were coming over, watching our game film. They're like, what, that's you guys? We're like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so, like, we're still exposing ourselves, like, getting ourselves out there to our community. There's still a lot of people in Reno and Sparks that have no clue about us. And and it's just, you know, we're we're working there. We're getting there. We actually have a meeting set up with our city of Reno mayor um, here pretty soon. So we're, we're, we're anxious and excited to explore and, and see what opportunities that brings as well. Now let's talk about your defense and talk about your defense against Cali War and at some of these top teams in the WFA, uh, even against Houston Energy and that one in the playoffs. Um, so this defense is really changed over the last uh, three years. So it's either they're putting in a lot of iron work because they, they, they proved it out there. And uh, I think that's pretty impressive if you – like we're, we watch you guys, you know, from the beginning to now, and it, it's an impressive turnaround for you guys. But, you know, defensively, I think it was – you had a better year this year than, than most years. Yeah, you know, I give, I give credit to our coaches again because – I mean, as soon as we get done with the game, they're already breaking down film for the next opponent, if not, you know, having done so two weeks prior to that. And they start looking for the, the, the big players on the other teams, and we will actually rearrange our entire defense based on that player or two or three. And, and that's what we did. We just, you know, they picked up on tendencies of certain players, and that's what we focused on, and, and we just made adjustments. And if something had changed since they had seen in film, like at halftime, we'd adjust and make those corrections. And, and that's what's great is a lot of the ladies on our team are just very coachable. They soak up everything. Um, you know, it's, it's easy for them to make these adjustments on the field because we're, we're just sponges and we just want to succeed. We want to do well. We want to play well. And that's pretty much all we did. I don't feel like we did anything too fancy. Just we, we keyed off their, their, their good players and, and, at that point, it comes down to who's better, your 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 athlete or our athlete. <laughs> and it's man to man, right? And a lot of times, that's what it boils yeah. down to. Like you said, it's man to man. So, uh, offensively, uh, Carrie, uh, what can you speak about offensively? Pretty good year for uh, Jasmine. Pretty good year for almost everybody on the offensive side of the ball, even Mo. Um, so, you know, offensively, you guys really were uh, somewhat hard to contain. Yeah, you know, same thing. Um, you know, Coach Adams a brain and a whiz when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. And, like, we can go in at halftime and be like, Coach, they're doing this or they're showing this. And he's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> and, like, we'd make a couple of subtle changes, which we did against the Cali War with our offense, and that was all we needed to do. Um, you know, and that's what's great with our the type of offense we run is you can easily make some adjustments and change things. And then it just gives you a whole new look and appearance that will catch the defense off guard. And that was one thing for us as we noticed, like, a lot of defense did not adjust to us. Um, and when defenses don't adjust, it you know, it can make things a little bit easier. Yeah, they say you run it down their throats until they can stop it. And a lot of times that's just all you have to do is do the same until they can <laughs> stop it. And, right? It's no, no secret. It's some of my coaches. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be honest. We probably ran. 
<laughs> yeah, I think there was one game, a couple of games, we ran the same play like four or five times in a row, and they didn't even move. <laughs> so it's just no, like, it, oh, okay. And it's funny, right? <laughs> you're, you're running the same play, and you're like, they know what we're running, and they still can't stop it. What is up? What is wrong here? <laughs> Yeah, and it's like at, at times you feel bad, but at times you're like, well, they're not doing anything, so I'm just going to – this is what I got to do, so you just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a feeding a pudding and pudding, and it's just dripping out of the mouth, as one of my coaches would say. Just keep feeding it until they, until they swallow it. They can swallow it, and it's just yeah. dripping. <laughs> so it's hard, you yeah. know. But, um, <laughs> Um, Carrie, let's talk about the state of the game, uh, you know, the announcement of five years in Canton for the national championship. So as an owner, now a player, and obviously, you know, uh, taking, taking a look at the sport over the 30 years and something that we've never been at, now we're at that, you know, Hall of Fame stadium, and now it's a five-year commitment to showcase women's tackle football in probably one of the, you know, the historic cities in terms of the pro football. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's phenomenal. It was such a surreal feeling to be at that stadium. Um, like I've been in like San Francisco Stadium, and it like that was like, oh wow, you know, that's a nice stadium as a, as a spectator. But then you're like, oh wow, I'm at the Hall of Fame Stadium. I'm actually on the field. I'm playing where the pros play. It was it was like Coach Adams said. He's like, give yourself a minute to enjoy the moment but he's like don't get caught up in it he's like we still have a job to do and and a lot of us took that to heart you know we absorbed the moment just to think and then I think I made a post on our team page like I think it was two weeks later they had the first NFL game I was like we were just there (laughs) you know it's it's such an amazing feeling to to see that happen and to see us just how the venues have changed over time with the WSA and where where the WSA is even taking women's football and what they're what they're trying to accomplish and do is is amazing and um, it's just a great feeling. Logistics wise, it's kind of a pain, <laughs> but yeah, but everything else about <laughs> it is is really awesome. It's it's a great feeling. It's like we were all sitting there in the locker room going, oh, I wonder who sat where I've sat. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. So. <laughs> No, it's, you know, it's but it's it's a great moment, right? We talked about it at the beginning of the season with a lot of teams, and we said, you know, this is a this is a huge moment, you know, because whoever arrives at, at and in Canton, as an example, the first six teams, your guys were one of them. Uh, it was really a big pressure because you really have to showcase some high level football to kind of bring attention to the sport and bring sponsors and and have that you know marketing side of things because this at the end of the day, it's a business. If you want to treat it as a business, you've got to have people, you know, putting eyes on you and then willing to market or willing to sponsor. And I think every every team in all three divisions um, showed out that, that weekend. Do you feel that way? Yeah, no, I agree, too. I think, like, Derby City coming up big, like, that's amazing. And Boston's always been a great, successful program. And, and that's what helps bring, I mean, shoot, the Patriots flying the Boston Renegades, like, holy crap, you know, so <laughs> – it is like it's definitely opening eyes and and that does it's to sell more people are willing to buy it so well they were buying nevada storm football all season we were following on on everything social media uh shout out to you and your social media uh you know folks that help you out on your pages because you guys did an amazing job all season uh spotlighting your team uh you know previewing your games 
uh, bringing attention to some of your athletes, outstanding athletes that you guys had on your team this season. So that was really, really awesome. Uh, and I think the, the, the marketing side of the sport lacks in some teams and other teams understand what it, what the potential is. And I think you guys pretty much mm-hmm. get it. And I, I really applaud you guys for that. Uh, thank you. I have to give a lot of that credit towards, I, I actually helped run um, all of our social medias and our website. Um, I do take that on. Um, but uh, Amanda Gilda, I can't say enough about her. She's, she's played, she's been playing for us and she moved back to the States um, at the beginning of 2020 from Mexico. Cause she went down there to go play some ball and for work and stuff. And she came back and uh, she's like, Hey, can I help you guys out again? And blah, blah. I was like, yes, come on board. And she's the one that designs all these amazing flyers for us and everything. I just basically post them, <laughs> but um, no, she's been great to work with. And um yeah, yeah, she's like she wants to help women's football as well grow so so much and and she just she knows and understands that she has a marketing background the importance of you know having a good brand and and having that brand yep. to to advertise and be consistent with it and that's you know we're 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 getting there. And I think that's the key, right? Because if you're the owner, it's, it, like I said, if in the past when I since I started covering since 2009, in the past it was really a situation where there was not one vision going forward and all teams were doing their own thing and and doing there, but it's, it has to be somewhat streamlined for every team to understand how impactful they can be, especially now with social media and everything else that's happening with social media. I mean, that is the key right there is like, if you can maneuver through, you know, TikTok and understand how to do it. I always tell everybody in marketing, you don't have to do it yourself. You got to find somebody that can assist you to get it done. It's literally how it, mm-hmm. it has to be outsourced at some point. Because sometimes you take it on yourself so much that some points you want to you don't want to give the reins away. But you have to give some external you know responsibility to make other people make you better. So when you have that inclination, like to your point, she's creating it, and you're adding a little bit of you know things that you add to it. It's a team, right? And so that works out really well. So I think a lot of the teams now, you take some pointers from like yourself or Boston or some of the other teams that do really good social media marketing and, and, and stand out. Uh, because you, ultimately, at the end of the day, right, Carrie, you do have a fan base and you have to attract that fan base butts in the seats. And you can't bring them in there if you're not, you know, not thinking of yourself as really good professional uh, presentation, especially on social media, too, to draw in that crowd. Yeah, yeah, and like we've uh, we've been definitely like looking at all of our analytics and um, SEOs and all that good stuff. I've been learning about all this stuff, <laughs> um, but and so we were noticing we weren't hitting a certain target audience. Um, like Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram, we actually have a very good following of the age group 25 and up. So we were like, dang, we're missing these 18 to 24 year olds, which is who we need to keep, you know, to like let people like me retire. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so we're like, okay, what apps are they on? So she, Amanda went and did all, a bunch of research and saw, Hey, they're on TikTok, They're on Snapchat. So now we're starting yep. to try to really kind of grow that TikTok market. We're trying to grow our, well, I don't know if we've done our Snapchat yet, but you know, definitely TikTok. We're trying to get our TikTok up, up, up and going and starting to get creative there. And yeah, that's another whole new platform to learn too. And I'm just like, woo. <laughs> and a lot of it has to do with just, a consistency and making sure that you start slow and then you get that traction because I really think that's where everybody just wants to go first 
but you got to understand that every platform has the baby steps of, you know, trying to grow with it. And once you get, once you understand mm-hmm. the niche of it and put yourself out there um, and understand it, then you're able to kind of make an impact, especially, you know, like TikTok, you know, and like on Instagram, you know, reels are big. You know, if you can do, you know, practices and, and videos on certain things. I mean, look, look at Lois Cook. And look, Lois Cook is just completely blown up on oh, TikTok. Gosh. So Yeah, she's amazing on that stuff. Yeah. So she's done a great job. Yeah, we actually, just, we, know, we like to, like, presenting. use her as a, yeah, we like to, like, reference her a lot, too. You know, like, hey, what's she been doing? You know, we try to stay up on the trends, and we know where we get, definitely got to improve on, and that's that's what we're trying to work on right now. So hopefully we can target that 18 to 24 audience that we really want for our program. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the tools, the tools are there. If you just dissect them like any business, right. You like, you just said right now, you're like, Hey, Hey, we're, we're missing the target here. We got to figure out how we can get into that, you know, that range. I think the tools are there. So mm-hmm. that's really awesome. So great job. You guys, uh, in 2021, 2019, um, Carrie, what does it mean to be the first franchise in WFA history to win championships in two different divisions? That's like sealed in stone now. First, it will be referred to every <laughs> time somebody up, else yeah. tries to make it happen. Uh, um, it's a great feeling. You know, like, again, I, I just have to go back to where I know I started with this program. We were owing nothing and getting our butts handed to us every single game and to see us not only win a championship, but back-to-back champion. It's just a surreal feeling. I don't think it's honestly quite hit me yet still. Um, Like, I got emotional for our championship game, but I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, (laughs) you know, um, I don't know. It's it's great to be first at something (laughs) and and to make some history. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll give us that. We, you know, we like to be a trendsetter or try to be a trendsetter and and if we're the first ones to do it then okay hopefully it's all good too not bad stuff (laughs) no it's good and then given the fact that you guys have uh with your success you've also helped the wfa you know stand out in a lot of ways so which is a win-win for for everybody you know your 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 franchise Mm -hmm. plus the branding itself so it helps out a lot in that sense too to bring it to bring it to another level of excellence your excellent play on the field also you know, makes the WFA stand out as a, uh, you know, a, a talented organization uh, to, you know, for the opportunity for women to play tackle football as well. Um, Carrie, are you, uh, are you just hanging them up full time, just doing your thing in the background here? Or what are we doing for 2022? I'm not hanging anything up. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not planning to retire any time soon. I just turned 39. Um, I was, I'm going to reevaluate my life at 40, see where I'm at, see where I'm at health-wise. If I feel like I can keep going, I'm going to probably keep going for as long as I'm physically able to. Um, I, at the time being right now, I am the longest playing active member of Nevada Storm. So now I'm kind of like, I want to be the longest. <laughs> so I, so I kind of have my own goal, my own personal goal. So, Kerry, Hall of Famer already. I guess we're going to have to figure out where to put your number on uh, in the, in that stadium out there in Reno. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. So, having played softball for UNR, I'm I'm hoping they they'll keep a spot for me somewhere. <laughs> Hopefully, they would. Um, I, I I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, it has been uh, great um, to kind of talk to you. 
and kind of bring a, to light to our audience. Uh, we've been talking to, about you guys, your team, all year long in this uh, 2021 season. Uh, what an amazing story for you guys uh, to, you know, tell grandkids and everybody else uh, about, you know, the success the last 2019 and 2021 of this uh, franchise. So it's a, it's really a historical uh, moment for the sport in itself too, but also for, you know, just in general, women's soccer football and how successful you guys have been. And shout out to your coaches, like you said, shout out to everybody that makes it happen be, behind the uh, scenes off the field that makes Nevada Storm uh, football so exciting. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, and thanks for having me. It's It's been fun. I know I'm always talking with you on our stuff, and you're like, can I set up a time? I'm like, yeah, sure, hold on. <laughs> so, um, well, no, yeah, it's busy. actually fine, fun to, to finally get to talk with you. <laughs> so, yeah. I know you're a busy lady. Like you said, you're running all the social media accounts, so I'm pretty sure your calendar is full. That's why I have to kind of like, oh, let's plug you in somewhere else and make the time. But I really do appreciate it. And you've done a tremendous job, so pat yourself on the back because, you, like I said, you've kept, kept up with the trendings and everything else. And, and that's what you need to do as a business owner is kind of stay in the know in terms of what's moving, you know, what uh, what's going to be attracting. Um, do we have uh, any tryouts, uh, Carrie, before I let you go? I know we have the national tryouts on the 16th in terms of the WFA announcement. Do you, are you guys doing uh, more tryouts beyond the 16th? Yeah, we will. We usually hold one a month. We had a great turnout for our very first tryout on in September. I, I believe it was the 18th, September 18th. Um, yeah, and then our next one is the National Tryout Day. We will be holding, I believe, one or two in November, then probably one more in December. Um, we usually try to also add any kind of last-minute um, joinees in January, but we kind of typically cut it off around end of January, February, just because of you know, ordering uniforms and all that, you know, equipment and all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, we, we try to stay open as long as we can to provide all the ladies out there, you know, that opportunity to play women's football and, and to give them a, ch- a chance. So, you know, we, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we just, we just like to, yeah, yeah give, give ladies opportunity. And we will be holding, um, you know, multiple tryouts still. So definitely, definitely more to come. All right. Um, can you give uh, all our fans uh, where they can dive into Nevada Storm football on social media? Oh, gosh, if I can remember them all. Uh, Facebook.com, Nevada Storm. Uh, we are also Nevada Storm Women's Football on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We're slowly trying to get that one better, too. Um, I believe we're Nevada Storm Reno on there for the handle. Uh, TikTok, Nevada Storm Women's Football on there, I believe, as well. And then the good old website www.nevadastormfootball.com all right and if you have anybody interested uh with nevada storm uh in terms of the reno area head out and check it out uh we will have it on our hub as well so carrie really appreciate it congratulations once again on being two-time uh champions in the wfa and first historic first franchise to win back-to-back division titles in two divisions so Really, really awesome job by you guys, and I appreciate you making the time tonight. Oh, thank you very much uh, again for having me. This is great talking with you, and and yeah, we're we're ready to roll. So we're we're getting anxious to start up again already. All right, I will try to have you make some time for me, maybe in, Jan- in January or maybe even uh, maybe in late March, between January and March, and kind of 
dive in to see where you guys are at in terms of, uh, you know, the rostering for the new season. But uh, thanks again, once again, and uh, safe travels out there. Stay safe and uh, looking forward to 2022 and see what the Nevada Storm is going to bring to the WFA scene. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we can't wait. Thank you. Good night. All right. You too. All right, guys. That was uh, Kerry Mackey, owner, player, and one of these uh, key pieces to the Nevada Storm being successful in the WFA. And uh, let's bring in uh, the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, into the uh, conversation here. Mark, uh, Kerry Mackey, what a uh, successful six-year run, and last two years have been just memorable for her. Yeah, fantastic interview. You know, um, you were able to get her to hit on a, a lot of the spots, that the secrets, if you will, to the success of the storm. Um, one of the things that really resonated with me was, you know, just the consistency with the coaching staff and the systems that they run. When you successfully, you know, establish that for your team, it really helps balance everything else out. Because if you don't have a consistent coaching staff or they're making changes a lot, it's hard to retain players. And and as she said, when you can, you know, retain players, then your veteran players help the rookies get acclimated quickly um, to uh, the, the system, the scheme, offense, defense, whatever it is that the stable coaching staff has established. So um, it, that goes a long way. That that that's really the linchpin, I think, of of the team success uh, in women's football, certainly. Yeah, and I think that's uh, one of the keys to every organization is to figure out, you know, how uh, they're going to be able to, you know, keep a, tr- a consistent trend like Boston does, like Chicago in the past used to do, um, you know, uh, Pittsburgh. There's a lot of teams that had really good coaching staffs that kept everybody at the high level. And I think uh, that's a credit to coach Barrett and coach Garza for really elevating this program to, uh, like she said, you know, making that system, the veterans understand it and then plugging in the new, the new players. It makes it so much easier. Absolutely. Oscar, when you, you know, when you, when you have that stability in place, uh, then you're on firm ground and, and you can expect more, from your your rookies and your veterans, um, and then you can start you know building up the system and I- integrating more uh, sophistication um, and just elevating you know the level of the football team so that they can compete at a higher level. And so this this is something that Nevada has done in moving from um, Division three to Division two, and from the sounds of it, you know probably Division one next year. And if not next year, I think most certainly the year after that, Oscar. For sure. I mean, and the, stable, the, 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 the big question is, will they go to D1 is really what everybody's asking. And she said she doesn't have an answer. So probably have an answer by January to see whether they go D1 or not. Uh, let's bring in the salty one here, Mackenzie Brooks, into the mix here. Um, Mac, uh, we're just talking Nevada Storm. What a, what a great uh, organization back-to-back champions of divisions, uh, historic first in the WFA. So, I mean, Kerry's just killing it over in Nevada. Man, I love me some Nevada Storm. I really do. Oh, I have a couple friends on that team. Um, 
and the, they've just I love watch I've loved being able to watch them grow into the organization that they are now. And just like you guys were saying before you brought me on, you know, it's it takes a long time to build a you know, a good repetitive retention filled veteranship program. Um and that's exactly what this storm has done. You know, they the first couple seasons you know, it wasn't too great, and then they literally just kept building and building, and then up until I believe mean, it was last year, um, or well, 2019 when they won that the D3 championship, and then they've just been you know moving forward since then even more. Yeah, I I think it's a credit to her to stay stable. Also, credit to her. She talked about marketing and how they do a really good job in terms of being relevant, like on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. So they they found a way to really put themselves on and stand out on the map. And, you know, we were talking Nevada storm all year, right? It's like, as I was selling her, it's like, they did such a great job that we were all dive into Nevada storm. Oh yeah. You know, we've, we've been buying into, to programs that aren't always at the top. And I mean, I think they can, you know, I think the Nevada storm can state that, you know, they, they, they've literally come from the bottom to where they are. You know, the, the famous Drake line started at the bottom, now we're here. That's literally the Nevada storm at this point. It's great to see. Now, uh, Mark, uh, the the team really mm-hmm. made a statement when they beat Cali War, and that was a big statement for them two years in a row in, in 19 and in 21, and I really think that's put that put, put themselves on the map. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, when you can um... – line up against a, uh, a division one team uh, and a team that is always, you know, one of the favorites to go to the championship each year and you excel against them. Uh, you show that you can compete with that team. That, that definitely opens a lot of eyes. I mean, um, you know, a lot of, it created a lot of buzz for, for the storm and uh, put a lot of eyes on them you know, around the league and, and, the, and the people who, who follow. So once you have that attention, then you need to capitalize on it um, by continuing um, your winning ways. And that's exactly what uh, Nevada has done. Yeah, I think it's a credit to them uh, trying to build their fan base now, a year, uh, year three here of success. And they should be able to take, you know, like she said, working locally to try to market it that way too as well. Um, let's talk overseas right now, Mark. Um, the uh, UK NWFL, uh, there was a tournament over in Edinburgh uh, with East, uh, East Kilbride and Teesside, over in Teesside, actually. Uh, so great weekend there. Check it out, all the stuff at the Hub. Uh, Mike Ho, H-O-W, uh, with all the coverage and everything else. Uh, so that was really, really awesome. And then we're getting ready for, obviously, the, the championship here, Orbro against Karlstad in Sweden. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the Karlstad Crusaders um, uh, this last weekend um, finished up their regular season against the John Coping Spartans with um, a, a 43 to nothing victory. So, uh, they're the defending champs, and they're looking strong heading into the Super Series final against the Orbo Black Knights. Um, the final will be uh, this coming weekend. Um, it's going to be at Baron Arena uh, in Orbro. So at least the Black Knights will uh, kind of be on their home turf 
they'll be playing in front of their home crowd. Um, and so, you know, hopefully for the Black Knights, they're able to uh, um, reignite whatever fire they had when they upset Karlstad in the very first game of the season. Um, also, uh, to their advantage, they've, they've had this last week to uh, heal up, regroup, uh, gel together again to try and uh, put up a fight against the uh, Crusaders, who look to be the favorite um, coming into the finals. All right, uh, let's bring in uh, our guest, uh, TL Talks uh, podcaster Terry Lister, into the mix here. And uh, Terry, thanks for joining us today. We got uh, Mackenzie Brooks. You're probably aware of the salty one. Uh, back to Coach AK Mark Simone. Uh, so you pretty much know everybody, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, thanks Hi, for coach. having me. How you guys What's doing? What's up, Coach? What's up, Mac? How you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming All right, on. Terry, let's, uh, let's let we're talking women. here. We're talking women's football. So uh, you, what did you think of the WNFC WFA in 2021? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, the uh, I have lots of thoughts. Um, some of them I'm willing to say on air. Uh, where, where do I begin? So I guess, I mean, you know, WFA is a really big league. has a lot of teams. Um, as we know, most of their teams are in D3. Uh, it was an interesting season. I think it's a really big shame that, the COVID season didn't happen because I was so excited um, not only for the WNFC landscape, but also the WFA just because I'm, I'm a fan of the sport. You know what I mean? So there was just like this awesome um, basically plan and schedule for that year that didn't happen. Um, things like, you know, Boston playing St. Louis. Um, there's just a few oh, yeah. things on the schedule that I just, I literally couldn't wait to see. And then, as you know, uh, year to year in women's football, no year is like like another year. And so you fast forward one season, and now St. Louis is taking a year off, and uh, you know there's kind of missed the boat on that. But maybe next season we'll be able to get that crazy schedule back together for WFA. I thought it was still an interesting season. I wasn't really surprised that Nevada took the title in D2, just because I'm really impressed with their program. Um, and I just think they're a team that doesn't beat themselves, and they're very disciplined. That's not that common in women's football, in my opinion. <clears throat> so um, I wasn't surprised to see that. Uh, as far as D1, um, Boston won that. Per- did Boston win that pretty easily, or did, did somebody play them kind of close? Was it? Did it no, it was pretty easy. <laughs> it was Renegades ball as usual. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think so it was uh, it was closer than the last two seasons. I'll put it that way. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Minnesota definitely had, um, you know, they could they could score pretty pretty well um, uh, with their running game. They definitely had a running game, um, but you know, e- even if no, neither team could you know like stop each other, uh, mm-hmm. it was just it was a foot race, and and Boston was was going to win, and they did. Gotcha. Yeah, that's fair. So I have a lot of respect for Minnesota. Um, I'm not surprised that they made it competitive with Boston for a while, but as we know, it's hard to keep it competitive with Boston for a whole four quarters. And so that was just a matter of time. And then um, in D3, I was happy to see uh, Derby City get a, get a title. 
you know, because I, I, I like Selma a lot, and she's, you know, put a lot of hard work into that program. So it's really cool to see her have her moment and get a get a ring. Um, and then when you go to WNFC, that was, <clears throat> I wouldn't say predictable. I, I want to give uh, Oscar a little bit of a, a kudos because I remember in the beginning of the season, um, you know, the first the first games were coming up. And, you know, since I'm with the Denver Bandits, our first game, unfortunately for us, was a, was a long road trip to uh, Las Cruces. And I'm pretty sure Oscar um, predicted that Las Cruces would win that game. And I, I was thinking to myself, hell no. Like, we're definitely going to win that game. And, uh, unfortunately, I was, I was wrong. Oscar was right. So, kudos to Oscar. And, uh, so, you're on the uh, Paul gonna... McKenzie bandwagon at the beginning there and thinking it's not going to – the only reason I took – the only reason I took uh, uh, – Las Cruces at that time is because yeah. they were yeah. playing really good, consistent ball, and I hadn't seen you guys yet, so it was kind of like, okay, how, how the Bandits going to attack this? But, you know, it still was yeah. somewhat competitive. And the difference, I think, was that game for you guys because you guys did finish strong at, you know, towards the end, and it's just, it just mm-hmm. the way it works, I guess, with, that, with the, the way the setup is, right, in terms of the 20-span teams. It's yeah. a different setup there. Yeah, I would say um... – that's definitely very fair. Uh, you know, with the Las Cruces game, um, that one was a t- tough one to swallow. I think the final score was something like 39 to 21 or somewhere around pretty close to that. And the fact that it was an away game, um, what a lot of people don't know about that game is uh, we, we took a charter bus to Las Cruces. Well, it actually, actually wasn't Las Cruces. It was somewhere else. But um, we took a charter bus there which is, you know, a luxury. A lot of teams can't do that. Well, unfortunately for us, that driver um, had no business <laughs> uh, driving a charter bus at night. And so with that, what happened was is basically our whole team um, was, like, awake, you know what I mean, instead of sleeping uh, until the wee hours of the night because we were, like, afraid he was going to drive wow. off the road and kill us. So, like, you know, just small stuff like that. Um, you know, it, oh it's God. an away game. But but the referees uh, kind of fell short, and so um, that's one of the things that bothers me about our sport, man. To be honest with you, it's there's no like um, there's no there's like a lack of standards for officiating, and so it's like you know the home team is going to get their officiating crew, but there's no like there's no standard, you know what I mean? And so whether they're very professional or not professional at all, whether they're qualified or not qualified at all, whether they completely mess up the game by missed calls, um, which I think I talked to you, either it was either you or the backseat coach. There was um, some big games, and we mentioned how there were some calls that, that were missed. I think it was like face masks mm-hmm. and, you know, yep. uh, horse collar tackles and stuff. And I'm just like, come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, I understand you guys aren't like NFL officials, but like these are these are big calls that can affect games. And so – I know nobody really cares about Denver at Las Cruces in week one of WNFC, um, but those things do factor into how the game went. And so it's unfortunate. Um, I'm not really a big fan of excuse making, but those things didn't help us. And so I think it was just a big learning experience for us as a program. And so um, luckily we did finish the season strong. Um, and, and going into last the last week when we played L.A. at home, <clears throat> I kind of felt like we deserved a playoff spot. You know what I mean? Because we, we had won like four in a row. Only teams we lost mm-hmm. to were Las Cruces in, in Utah. And then we ran the table. 
but um, since we didn't, we we basically barely beat um, LA at home. And since we weren't able to take care of business and kind of beat them decisively, um, then I kind of, (laughs) I didn't have much, much to complain about after that. I was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. We kind of fell short this year. We know that if we had beaten Las Cruces, it would be a different um, situation. And so I have no qualms about anything as far as who made the playoffs or who didn't, who didn't make the playoffs. If we had killed, you know, L.A. or beat them decisively, I think we would have had an argument. But since we didn't, you know, we barely beat them. Um, you know, kind of is what it is. But I think Denver has a bright future. I, I, I think Marcel and John – do a great job with the team and recruiting. And I think uh, the future is bright, but, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, so there's a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. What do you think, uh, Terry, of the WNFC uh, all games streamed? Pretty uh, first. It's pretty awesome. I thought that oh, was yeah. Really unique. It's phenomenal, man. It's phenomenal. So I'm going to sound super biased because I, you know, I'm involved with the WNFC and, um, I was actually I had the the honor to be invited to one of the first ever meetings uh that was held in Plano, Texas for the WNFC when they were in their very beginning stages of planning the league and you know kind of what their vision was and stuff and there's a whole bunch of important people in the room not named Terry Lister. So um since I've been there kind of since day 1 and I've seen this vision kind of come to fruition it's been so cool man. There's so many things about the league that are just um above above this, the kind of the norm of women's football. And I'm very grateful just to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, like things like streaming every game. I mean, that stuff is like unheard of. You know what I mean? You don't ever see You don't see that in any men's semi-pro teams or leagues. And so it's just like one of many reasons that I feel like WNFC kind of sets themselves apart. Um, I think that there's only, this is no offense to other people, um, but in my opinion, for let me clarify, let me say this very carefully: <laughs> for women's women's tackle football, right? Women's full pads tackle football in the United States. There's only two leagues that are really relevant, in my opinion. And so that's obviously the WFA and the WMC. I think that it's kind of different strokes for different folks. For some teams, it makes sense to be in WFA, um, but as far as um, what the WNFC is trying to do for the sport, you know, as far as getting, you know, payers, uh, players eventually paid to play, um, you know, streaming the games. There's just a lot of things that they're, that, that they're aiming to be, you know, above the line as far as standards. And so I think it's awesome. I think that's what the sport needs. And I, the, one of the silver linings to the WNFC being created is I feel like it pressured the WFA to kind of step their game up, no pun intended, and they have. And so kudos to the WFA for responding to that in a positive way. And so I think it's all in all just made the sport better. And so, and so I think that's awesome. Mac, uh, you know Terry. Uh, you've obviously been around the sport a long time. So uh, you had the same feeling when you went to Nebraska. And, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, everybody's jumping ship to the WNFC. But, you know, you, you know the, the value of, you know, the WNFC in terms of, what it's done so far in two years. Well, let me just preface my comments by saying this, because uh, listen, the next time I play on a team and y'all play against me, could you kindly not throw 800 people at me? Thanks. I would have really appreciated <laughs> that. My body don't like you 
or your team. I mean, I don't have the time to be walking like an old lady. Okay, I'm about to be 30 in January. I need to reserve this body. I'm going up 12 years. Yeah. I appreciate you being a slide at me. I love you. Yeah. It. Yeah, I'll, now, pass, I'll pass the word on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Uh, no, so as far as, you know, the, the WNFC and, you know, and the WFA both, I, I kind of have to piggyback off of what Coach Lister said because he literally hit it on the nose, you know, the WNFC and the WFA both are, the at this point, right now in 2021, going into the 2022 season, are both the premier leagues for full contact, full kit, 11-11, full pad women's football. And, you know, just like he said, for the WFA, they have, they have obviously a longer tenure. They've been around longer. That's a thing. It's a proven fact that you don't have to sit there and do any research. None of that. It's, it's there. Like, the, the makeup is there. But for the WNFC to, to for the WNFC to be in its uh, fourth season, third season, um, and to have successfully done all those things that they said that they were going to do, literally made the WFA that much better. Just because, oh, they're they're we now see them as competition. We literally have to step up our game again. No pun intended, but that is a thing. Like the WNFC had, you know got their full sponsorship from Adidas. Then the WFA turned around and did the same thing with Zenith. And, you know, it was kind of like a tick for tack back and forth with each league. Well, you know, just like you said, some, some teams make it makes better sense for them to be in the WFA. For some teams, it's better sense for them to be in the WNSC. But the thing about both leagues is, for the most part, they support each other. And that's what you don't get with a lot of other semi-pro sports. And even with, like, NBA, NFL, NCAA sports, like things of that nature, you don't really get that kind of like back and forth, like almost like brotherhood, sisterhood, camaraderie. You get that, Terry? That's all I had. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, And while she was talking, I was thinking about things that had happened. You know, it's kind of weird, you know, because we had one season – then we had a COVID season that didn't happen, and then we had this season. So it's kind of hard because it feels like the first season was forever ago. But, um, yeah, just thinking back, man, like, you know, as we know, it's different to have vision, a vision of something, and then it's it's another thing to actually follow through with it. A lot of people have great plans. A lot of people have great ideas. Not a lot of people can follow through with those great plans and ideas. So the fact that OJ, you know, and Dillo and – everybody else that's involved was able to like follow through with this league and kind of deliver on a lot of stuff that people didn't see or think was, you know, possible. It's just so, um, it's so impressive to me. Like you got to think like, I'm, I'm not going to do the comparison of WFA cause I'm not try, trying to throw shade, but I'll just talk about what WNFC did. So what WNFC did was they put money into their teams, right? So, so imagine instead of you forking out, a couple of grand um, to the league for your team. Instead, the league is paying you money to put money back into your program. So you're not paying anything. They're paying you. That's a huge difference, right? Because money, unfortunately, with where the sport's at, money is a huge deal. And so <clears throat> even though, you know, the, the money given to the teams might not have been a lot, a lot of money, but just the fact that they're not paying just to be in the league and they're trying to be selective about who's in the league because they don't want to have, you know, um, like more teams in the NFL, basically. Uh, it's just like a, it's a different mindset. And so there's a lot of things that I'm thankful about. I think um, I, could, I could talk for a half an hour about all the things I think about the WNSC. 
but I think they're doing a great job. Is it a perfect league? No, it's not. Um, can things be better? Yeah, they can. Um, and so I think that they do a good job of pushing the envelope, you know, getting big stuff done like sponsors, like, like Max said. <clears throat> Those sponsors are like kind of unheard of in my opinion. I mean, I haven't been involved with, with semi-pro football until about eight years ago. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong. But in, when, since I've been involved in semi-pro women's and men's football, I have not heard about sponsorships for anybody. <laughs> like outside of, you know, like some local business, you know, like signing sure. off something they can get money back in tax time. I mean, you don't hear you're, about – You're talking about major sport or worldwide branding. Exactly. That's a difference. Exactly. Yeah. Worldwide branding. That's a big deal. Exactly. And you know, the one thing that stands out to me out of all the conversations I have with people is uh, we understand that when you start to go business minded, you're seeking what? You're seeking the dollar because the dollar is going to generate what? Revenue. The revenue is going yeah. to generate some sort of you know machine that starts to bring awareness to the brand. I think that's the key into this into the differences is that the fact that the people behind the WNFC are business minded. They're you know, they yeah. understand corporate. They understand networking with corporate. They understand all that. And you have yeah. to do that in order for you to be relevant in terms of the, the sports space. And if you're a trend, which women's tackle football will, be, will become at least a trend at some point, if you're a trend, everybody's gonna want to come on board to that trend as long as they see value. And I think that's the the difference. The value is there now. Um, Virus yeah. Sports committing to 2022 again. I mean, to live stream every game that it's yeah. accessible to every fan. Uh, that's only yeah. going to get better for them. That's just the bottom yeah. line. It's always going to get better for them. Um, Absolutely. Mark, um, before we get out of here, let's just uh, dive in here, Terry. Uh, let me just get Mark to give us the rundown here. Uh, Mark, uh, Germany almost done. Uh, I think it's going to be DBL DBL two in the and we had a couple games there. One canceled game, Shamrocks against the Miners. Uh, we did have the the battle was won by the Vampires against the Wolfpack, so it was a pretty impressive game, forty eight to zero. That was like no contest. So I feel bad for the Wolfpack because they were undefeated, but I guess that didn't matter to the Vampires. No, uh, they they certainly put a whooping on the Wolfpack and have asserted themselves as uh, the team to beat. Um, and there's only one other undefeated team in the league now, uh, and that's the, the Sarland Hurricanes. Um, I'm not sure exactly how um, the playoffs set up or how they determine a championship. Um, so I'm trying to, to find out if, if they're going to have a playoff or a championship game or if the champion is determined um, sort of mathematically by some other factor. Um being as you okay. know, Last, this is an unusual. Um, I'm season. gonna get. I'm gonna talk to our uh, French, uh, French land, uh, our German uh, contacts and see, like, to your point, to answer that question for us. But uh, get get all the lowdown at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Uh, Mark, we're gonna be talking NFL, but I appreciate you coming on and uh, kind of talking with Terry and uh, Mackenzie here. But we'll we'll touch base next Tuesday as we get into to see if. Uh, Carlstadt Crusaders take down Orville. Thank you very much. It's uh, been nice talking to you, Terry, Mac. See you later. Absolutely. Later, Mark. 
All right. Um, so, Terry, let's talk about the Browns, and let's talk about the NFL. <laughs> but before we do that, That's my favorite let's subject. dive into uh, – let's let, let, before we do that, let's dive into uh, Holly's Corner with the NFL recap on three, okay? So we were – here are the most interesting results from the NFL in week three. Chargers 30, Chiefs 24. What a difference a year makes for the Chargers. They are now 2-1 and one and 2-1 and one on close games, which was their nemesis the last couple of years. The Chargers defense created four turnovers and Herbert threw four touchdowns. As long as the Chargers keep on the right side of these close games and stay healthy, this is a playoff team. On the other side, the Chiefs got two weeks in a row with sloppy play. Their defense is already suspect, and all the offense has the turnover bug. Bagels 24, Steelers 10. It kind of feels like the wheels are falling off a little bit for Big Ben and the Steelers. He threw two picks in this game, and it ended with a quarterback rating of 38.2. To make matters worse, they still cannot run the ball and only amassed 45 yards on the day. That's not going to get it done. Solid win for Burrow and the Bengals, though. Rams 34, Bucks 24. The Rams outpaced Tampa Bay for most of the game. Stafford seems to be really enjoying his new offensive weapons. Brady had really good numbers passing, but it feels like Tampa Bay forgot that the running the ball is what makes them more deadly. Only 13 rushes for 35 yards, and three of those carries were from Brady, which is not going to keep the defense honest. It felt like they were trying to win in a shootout, where they are more effective when they have balance. Packers 30, 49ers 28. What's a Niners fan to do? There's good Jimmy and there's bad Jimmy, and bad Jimmy was there for the first 29 minutes of the game. After three games, it seems like the Niners have three areas of concern. Number one, running back injuries. They ended up starting their number four running back in this game. Number two, corner injuries and the lack of adjustment for the defensive coordinator to protect the inexperienced guys in the scheme. And number three, the Jekyll and Hyde of Jimmy. The Niners better hope the running backs come back from injury and they're able to plug the holes in the secondary. Right now, this is a competitive wild-card-level team, but with Super Bowl-level talent in many places. They have to make adjustments quick to keep pace in their division. The lesson for everyone out there, never leave Aaron Rodgers' time if you have the ability not to. Cowboys 41, Eagles 21. I'm not sure where the Eagles' run defense went, but it was not there on Monday night. The Cowboys moved the ball at will so much that it even overcame a couple of turnovers and weird plays to score 41 points, or could have been actually much more. Jalen Hurts tried to do too much on his own, and it was like they forgot they had Miles Sanders in the backfield. The Cowboys took up an early division win, and as long as they stay healthy, talent-wise, they should win this division. All right, uh, Terry, let's start there. And Mac, let's start there. Dallas showcases Elliott once again, and they they win. So uh, let's go with you, Max, since you're the Dallas fan. Congratulations on the okay, win well, against Perfect. First of all, thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> that's week two that everybody has had to eat that crow. i tell you this right now. I did not have them scoring 41 points. I'll be, I'm just going to be honest. That's the player in me that's knowing how we run the damn ball or wasn't running the damn ball at the point. But the Carrie, thing that really interests me, uh, you, you just might as well get used to it, Oscar. I don't shut up. You <laughs> should know this. Anywho, so the thing that interests me the most about my Dallas Cowboys offense was the fact that they used a 
dual running back system. I have never in my natural-born lifetime seen the Dallas Cowboys of all damn teams run a an actual two-back system that wasn't a full back. I mean, Zeke started, and then they put in Tony Pollard. It was back and forth. Zeke, Pollard, Zeke, Pollard, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, wait a minute. I know exactly what they're doing because you keep, it, you keep putting in fresh running backs, they're not going to know who to stop. They're going to get so you know they're going to get used to running so much with you know trying to run block with one, and you put in the other one. Then you switch it up again and switch it up again. And for me, it was the fact that it was consistent. It wasn't the fact that it was like a one-off or you know a two-off or you know every, it was the whole damn game. And I'm sitting there like, whoa, like this is this is new. I mean, I don't know if it's just the fact that they have finally given Callen more, like, full range to run the offense that he wants to or thinks is going to be most effective, or if it's the fact that, like, everybody is just on the same page. And I like the fact that Dak has, like, Dak is faster. Dak is more accurate. Dak is even still scrambling and scrambling better with this, with coming off, you know, year coming off of this, this injury. So, for me, I'm just like, like, holy cow, like, this is interesting. I was very dis. I was, I, was, I was very disappointed in the type of game that the Eagles gave us. Cause I was really looking for it to be, like, more chippy on both sides. I was looking for the run blocking, like, the run blocking as far as the defensive line to be there, as far as, like, getting to the holes. Dak only got sacked, I think, three times total, four times total the entire game. And the Eagles' defense is known for coming at you fast, quick, and hard. Like, just – it's a big full-out blitz, nine-in-the-box blitz. It doesn't matter. Like, they're good at at manhandling offensive lines. But yesterday night, they was the ones that got manhandled. I'm just sitting here like, is this really – is this actually happening? Like, I, I took Dallas by three. So, and I, the fact that they disproved me excites the hell out of me. What do you think, Coach Terry? <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with everything you said about the Cowboys. The only thing that I would add is that um, – there's a chance that that game plan was tailored for the Eagles. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, who knows, right? It's just, we're speculating as fans, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go past heavy against certain teams based on what they scout from them. Um, and they just thought that the Eagles, they could run on them. And I like that with Zeke, he, he'll like pound you between the tackles and then Pollard can get the edge on you. And they're they're di- they're both really good backs, but they're different enough that it's like mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not getting like more of the same from two different guys. You're getting like two different types of backs, which is actually similar to my Browns. And so it's just really fun to watch, and it's a pain, pain in the butt for other teams for sure. Now, well, so speaking of the Browns, the other interesting thing, really quick, was that up until this game with the Eagles, they didn't really run the ball, which was, I'm like, what, like. Are you guys saving him? Like, is he hurt? Like, everybody's, like, making these things. I'm like, I feel like they're just waiting for the perfect game to open up that can of running back. And yesterday's yeah. game, I feel like, did that. So, and I kind of have to agree with Coach well, they wore down the defense. You know, I feel. wore down the Philly right. defense. Yeah, exactly. That's what their key was. Because they already knew that Hurts and company, they have no weapons. They're, like, literally all kind of rookie weapons. There was no commitment mm-hmm. to Sanders. You shut down Sanders, and that was it. So, they did a really good game plan on them. Yeah, for sure. Right. They also did a good. They did a really good job of shutting down Devontae Smith too, which I thought was yep. very interesting. Trey Diggs had him locked up all game. Mm-hmm. 
I was just like, like, is this a thing? Like, Trey Diggs is actually, like, <laughs> handling Devontae Smith. And, like, Devontae Smith is a bad man. I'm not even going to lie. I don't care if he's a rookie. That's a bad dude. But Trey yeah, Diggs is more is badder. Like, he is – I was like, oh, my God, this – I love this. This mad, This type of match needs to be a thing, like, every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an impressive victory for sure. It's a divisional game. Um, the Eagles haven't looked that bad this season, and the Cowboys have looked good, but you know they lo- they lost a close one in Week One, right? To uh, the Buccaneers. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so they they won. Yeah, one, that they was lost really one. the Cowboys game to win, literally. Yeah, it if was. Greg Zerline would not have missed those two kicks, we would have beat them by four. But you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. You had to grow yeah. it up, eat it, and move on. You know, we beat the Chargers, manhandled the Eagles. Now it's on to Week Four. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like the Cowboys. The, the Browns are by far my favorite team, but I was actually born in Dallas, and so I kind of root for the Cowboys too. Um, but I'm not obsessed. Like Browns, not, the Browns. Browns take take down field, uh, fields, but that was just kind of a joke in terms of uh, Chicago. I mean, when you saw that game, I mean, they literally <laughs> put the kid just to get completely murdered. And, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, offensively, the Browns are good. I have to give them that this game. I, I, maybe the maybe the Bears made them look good, but ultimately, I mean, this season alone, I think Cleveland going up against Kansas City and now, you know, trashing Chicago. They have on they have an opportunity to stand out in that uh, North Division. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's one thing that's always tough for me as a fan to kind of diagnose, right? So if you have a big win against a team and it's pretty dominant, it's hard to say. Um, did we play that good or did they play that bad? Or was it a little mixture of mm-hmm. both? And so you never really know what the answer to that is, but you know, I'm not going to split hairs. <laughs> so when the Browns played the Bears, I felt a little bit torn actually because you know, I'm an Ohio State fan, and so Justin Fields being from Ohio State, I, I'm pulling for him, but obviously ultimately I want my Browns to win. So I was hoping kind of for a shootout with the Browns winning by about 10 points, um, and we we all know that didn't happen. So – I mean, I'm not, I'm not really surprised because I knew our defense can do that, but I just hadn't seen that yet this season. And so, you know, we, we have, like, new players. We brought over, you know, John Johnson from the Rams, Troy Hill from the Rams, you know, um, Jadavion Clowney, Anthony Walker. So we have about half of our defense is new, right? So it takes a little bit of time to kind of gel and, and um, get some chemistry. So I hadn't really seen our defense play lights out until that game. Um, unfortunately for Justin Fields, that was the, their coming out party. And um, sure. it was it was rough for them. So I think it was like 47 yards total, which is just crazy. I mean, that's nine sacks. I mean, it just it got out of hand. But a lot of fun for me to watch. I, I have about a handful of guys that are good friends of mine that are Bears fans. So I kind of felt bad for them. And I, I have class, so I didn't rub it in. Um, but mm-hmm. – I'm happy, and I'm, I'm actually eager for this upcoming game because we're playing the Vikings next, and that's uh, Stefanski's former team. And I think that's a really intriguing matchup because, you know, we're, we're a good team, have a good offense, pretty good defense, um, and the Vikings are kind of one of those sneaky teams, right? Like they kind of like play everybody close, but they usually either barely win or barely lose. And so they can mm-hmm. beat anybody, obviously, and it will be in Minnesota. So – it would be interesting to see Stefanski go back, go back to his former team and see how that plays out. But um, I think it'll be a really good game. 
All right, let's get uh, Holly's take on week four, and then we'll kind of dive into week four and, and give our intakes. Uh, Nate's going to be on with us as well, so let's go into week four. Here are my top matchups to watch for in week four of the NFL. Panthers at Cowboys. The upstart Panthers would make a statement win if they're able to pull this off on the road. Right now, they're a nice story, but a win here makes people take them more seriously. The Cowboys are fresh off a dominating performance against the Eagles. Will they have a letdown game here? Cardinals at Rams. This is a huge early division game. Stafford is on fire. Kyler Murray is on fire. Both teams are undefeated and on top of a very tough division. Winner gets a leg up early in a division race. This should be a very entertaining game with the number of explosive players that will be on the field. Seahawks at 49ers. This is a rival week for both teams who are coming off disappointing weeks. Both teams are talented but have flaws. Winner of this game rights the ship and gets back in the division race. Losers start to question themselves a bit. The 49ers, especially if they're able to get Elijah Mitchell back into the lineup, should be able to run the ball in the Seahawks. But the Seahawks should be able to throw the ball deep on the Niners' banged-up secondary. Every time these teams play, it's wild no matter their records. Ravens at Broncos. The Ravens are having a solid start to this year despite their injuries, and the Broncos are also a hot start. This could be a statement win for both teams. Terry Bridgewater has given the Broncos life, but he is a conservative decision maker. Expect a methodical game. Bucks at Patriots. Hello from the other side. That's what all the ads are saying. The first time Brady goes back to New England is a big deal, although it does feel kind of funny because it's been a while. This should be a huge media circus. Tampa Bay needs to run the ball here and not get too excited. The other question is, how does Mac Jones perform in this kind of spotlight with everyone comparing him to Brady? Raiders at Chargers. These are two playoff-level teams. If the Chargers can get back-to-back wins against the Chiefs and Raiders, expect them to get more attention. Carr and Herbert are both off to great starts. There should be a lot of points in this game. All right, uh, Terry, let's start with you, and then I'll go with Nate. Uh, Nate's a Seattle fan. So uh, what do you think of Carolina against Dallas? What what do you see there? Great question. And um, I'm not going to make Mac mad about this. So I think that the Cowboys are – She said uh, Carolina, uh, Dallas by six. That's what she she messages. She just took off. Yeah. But – No, I agree. Carolina by six. Dallas by six. I think um, the Cowboys are a better team, so I do think they'll win that game, but I think it'll be a really close game. Like, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas wins by a field goal, um, 10 points at the most. I, I'm really impressed by Carolina. I'm impressed with their coach. I'm impressed with Sam Darnold, his resurgence. Um, and, but, but, I mean, it really hurts. If CMC is not playing, that's such a huge blow. I mean, that guy's like, you know, just – Oh, like, yeah, for sure. He's a one-man wrecking crew, so not having sure. your best player on the field for offense just that it's too much fantasy. for them to overcome. Oh my god! It killed my fantasy game. It killed my uh, everything. So yeah, yeah. so I just like, <laughs> yeah. that, that was not good. That was not good. Yeah. For um, sure. <laughs> uh, Nate, uh, Seattle, uh, Frisco, two teams here going in the opposite directions, and given uh, uh, you know Aaron Rodgers taking care down of San Francisco and the Vikings taking out. Uh, who needs the win more is the question. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, in order to, to really 
you know, show they belong and not be a laughing stock. I, I think Seattle needs this win more than San Francisco. San Francisco's talent and the caliber they've been showing the last two games, even though Green Bay took care of business with them, they have been looking a hundred times better this year than the Seahawks have, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. the The whole game against the Vikings was, to to be blunt, an embarrassment. There were a lot of mistakes that were just unforgivable that I hope over these next few days they take a look at the drawing board, they take a look at the video, and they get it together. And I, I just I can't even think right now what it would take, but there are a lot of bullet points that they need to go back and look at that game and say, what could we have done better? Because it was atrocious. And if they don't figure it out in the next few days, then – San Francisco is going to run all over them. And I think uh, the J- Jimmy Heckle and Hyde thing really affects San Francisco right now, but against Russell Wilson, uh, against Frisco, the defense, I mean, there's opportunity for Seattle to take the victory. Uh, Terry, my Rams, killing it, picking up Stafford. I mean, they're, oh, they're looking so good right now on offense. Uh, it's yes, kind of like the are. greatest show on turf, repeat number two. Uh, I'm not going to go that <laughs> point yet, but – but you know what I'm saying? It's like they're looking pretty good. And then defensively, defensively they're really good. But now you get Kyle Murray and you get Hopkins and you get J.J. Watt. So we'll see how they, you know, stand out against a, a better squad or equal amount. Yeah, I have one question for Nate, if you don't mind. So, Nate, you, you go uh, Oscar said you're a, a Seattle fan, right? Correct. So that game against uh, Minnesota, I know you said it was atrocious. Like, since I don't – I don't watch Seattle, obviously, as much as you do. What would you point to as a fan as the problem? Because I know, like, Seattle's kind of notorious for not protecting Russell Wilson. But Russell Wilson is so dynamic that he kind of just makes it, like, work anyways. Um, but what would, you, like, what would you point to? Like, is it the defense can't get stops, the offensive play calling, you know, lack of a run game? Like, what would you, what would you say? I, I, I would say from what I saw, I would say it's all on – defense obviously you know the the inability to block russell is is a known flaw and i i can look past that it's this whole thing of trying to play deep when you know that there's a run coming and you can clearly see that now obviously Uh, i'm not a coordinator but to be able to look at that and go why are you stepping out deep like it's a pass when you can clearly notice that there's a pattern forming, especially late in the game, and you need to be up front protecting the run. Yeah, kind of like the defensive play calls didn't match situations sometimes. Correct. Gotcha. Okay, understood. I was just curious. I, I obviously didn't watch the game, and um, I love getting the inside scoop, unless it's coming Fair from enough. a Steelers fan, and so I just was curious. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, Oscar, so as far as the – you said the Rams are playing the Cardinals, right? Yep. Yeah, so that's an intriguing one um, because the Rams are on fire. I think the Rams are arguably the hottest team in football right now, and that's not to sugar, you know, to uh, – <laughs> I'm loving the response. <laughs> like, kiss, kiss, yeah, yeah, yeah kiss, kiss Oscars. But, but um, no, I, I mean, it's reality, right? Their offense is, is clicking. Yeah. So it, it seems like McVay and Stafford are a, a match made in heaven. Their defense is playing solid. I mean, Aaron – Aaron Donald is just a game wrecker, and so um, they're playing really good football. And I think that that win against Tampa Bay was really a statement game, in my opinion, because there's a difference between beating somebody 
and like handling somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and that's oh, yeah, exactly sure. what they can't say. So, um, I think uh, it, I don't think it matters. But is the game in LA or Arizona? Well, we're playing LA, playing at home. So I think there's an edge okay. there in somewhat. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. So yeah, I think it's so going to be really good. Um, Terry, uh, we got about uh, four minutes, so we got to bail. But uh, Baltimore, Denver, is this more of a statement again for Denver against Baltimore? Or is this something Baltimore really needs to win? Yeah, I think it's more of a statement game for Denver. Um, Baltimore is, I mean, even though they have a lot of injuries, they've been, they've been finding ways to win anyways. They have aggressive play calling. Lamar Jackson is – just a hard person to deal with. And um, the Broncos are 3-0, and but 3-0 and against three very bad teams. And so this will be the first time they played against a good team. And so it'll really let us know where they really stand. All right. Um, Nate, uh, we got two games to go, and then we'll, we'll have Terry do the final. But, uh, Nate, Oakland Chargers. This has got to be a big game for – a big test for Oakland, and it's also a big test for the Chargers. If they can beat Oakland, that, that would be a great statement for them. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I mean, like you said, it's a big game for both of them, but I think in the the long run and in trying to show your your growth, I think more of the statement would be on the Raiders, uh, especially with, you know, I mean, we saw them get lucky a couple times the last couple years, but with the way they're looking right now, this has really solidified themselves for this year and the trajectory that they're going on. All right, Terry, last game before we get out of here. We've got about two minutes mm-hmm. here. Um, uh, Tom Brady returns to New England. I feel sorry for Belichick and company right now. <laughs> <laughs> As mm-hmm. you should. As you should. Um, I think that the Buccaneers would handle the Patriots even if Brady didn't just lose. But like I said, Brady not only just lost, but he got kind of roughed up um, and they, he got, their team got handled. So as we know, Brady's one of the biggest competitors that we've ever seen in our lifetimes, and he doesn't like losing, especially like that. And so I think it's the, the Patriots are just in a tough spot. You know what I mean? They're in a perfect oh, yeah. world. They'll be, be able to play a, a close game, maybe barely lose and hug afterwards, but this is going to get ugly. Um, no disrespect to Belichick. He's one of the greatest of all time, but there's nothing he can do to stop what's about to happen. So I think um, it's going to be a long day for Mac Jones, and um, I don't know how many points the Bucks are going to score, but nothing <laughs> would surprise me. So, I mean, I'm envisioning something crazy like maybe 42 to 10 or something. You know, it's just pretty lopsided. All right. Um, so we're going to leave it there. we got to be out of here in 30 seconds. So um, thanks for coming in, Terry. Really appreciate your insights and talking NFL with us. Thanks, Nate, uh, McKenzie, and Holly, as always, always, and also the backseat coach. And uh, we'll be rescheduling Olivia Griswold for our next uh, podcast in the future here. But thank you to Kerry Mackey for coming in here for the Nevada Storm uh, and uh, talking Nevada Storm football with us. We will be back for 393, so don't forget to subscribe, download, and check us out at the Hub. Have a great night, everybody. It was a pleasure. See you guys. 319! is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. 
Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.